there's nothing more important um, for the believer in Christ than the cross. All of the Old Testament and New Testament centers on what Jesus did, the Son of God, on the cross. Let me pray for each of us and pray for myself and pray for our time together here this morning. Father God, um, you know, it's easy to, to see the cross around us. Some of us wear it around our neck. Uh, we talk about it, but it is so crucial that we have that knowledge implanted in our hearts so that we know both in our minds, in our spirit, the extent of what you did for us on the cross, how you took upon yourself the, the wrath of my sins and the sins of each person here. You chose to take it upon yourself so that we may have a relationship with you. Father, may that uh, become real in our lives and real to the point where we are men and women who are willing to go out from here and share it with our families, our neighbors, our co-workers, all in the marketplace to share the love of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for our time here this morning. I pray that both our ears and our hearts will be open to receive a very special message, not a, not a message from me for I have nothing to offer, but from your Holy Spirit working through your holy word. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. My name's Tom Downing, and um, our, our pastor, Pastor Brad, is still out on his nature, nature walk with his, with his um, dad and two sons, so I was sort of hoping he'd be here, so Lord willing, he will be here next week because that's, he, that's what's on the schedule, so um, um, I'm, I'm glad to be here, and I enjoy the opportunity I have to share with you, and, and I hope um, you get something, you get a fraction out of this is what I get out of by preparing for this, but last week I, I threw out a, a teaser to you all if you were here, and that I will be speaking about a, a group of people that Scripture states that should be wholly devoted to the Lord. This group is, is not the pastoral staff, even though there could be some from this group who are pastors. It's not the elders, even though, again, there could be some from this group who, who are elders. And it's not a particular gender or race because this group crosses all gender, both genders and all races. My wife and I have been uh, privileged to, over the last couple of months, to be associated with a group of these folks here in our church, even though we do not make up its population. So who are these folks? There's a group here I think know what I'm talking about, but there are single adults. And in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul has given some very special recognition to single adults. Um, but before we get into our passage, let's set the context of 1 Corinthians 7. Um, these, the people who made up the church in Corinth had some, some questions. There were a lot of debates going on about singleness, marriage, morality, um, all kinds of issues that they were having. And, and, and Paul, what he did is that in the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians, he talked about what he wanted to talk to the folks about. And then starting in, in chapter 7, verse 1, 
he then began the process of answering their questions. In uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, it starts off by saying, now concerning the things about which you, you wrote. And so Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, there's a, um, in 1 uh, Corinthians 7, we'll even go over this passage, but I'll uh, set it up right now. He says, I, I do not have a command for the Lord, but it's mine. This is what I have to say. And uh, what's going on there is Jesus didn't specifically speak to these answers that the people of Corinth had, and so Paul is going to answer them. Some people want to diminish what, what Paul is saying there, that it's just his own opinion. No, these answers that Paul gave from in 1 Corinthians 7 forward and going on is, all, is just as inspired as all of Scripture is. But Paul, in chapter 7, inspired by the Holy Spirit, will be speaking to singles in the context of the marriage relationship. So if you are married, please don't check out because there's going to be plenty for, uh, for you to learn from as well as the singles. We are going to be looking in chapter 7 at verses 24 through 28 and, and at, in verses 32 through 35 in chapter 7. We'll get there in a minute. Let's talk about single adults. I would imagine that the typical married person is not aware that here in Alaska, in Anchorage, there are more single adults than there are married folks. Single, adu single adults are an untapped mission field as far as I'm concerned for the church today because many churches don't ha even have a clue of their existence in the first place and secondly, do not know how to reach out to them for Jesus Christ. At Cornerstone, there are a number of, of single adults and that number is growing and if the, if the folks who head up our Vespers, Vespers ministry led by Pastor Brian and his wife Rochelle and a small group of the single adults have their way, it will become our largest group here at Cornerstone. Vespers is targeted for singles from around 20-something to 35 in ages. It's our, our hope and desire to be reaching others in different age groups and situations sometime, someday soon. Maybe during this message, uh, you will be led to investigate leading such one of these other groups. Our pastor is 100% is behind this ministry and was excited when he heard that, that I was going to be speaking on this this morning. So this is very important for um, the single adults specifically. And as I talk about what I feel God's word has to say about single adults, the folks attending Vespers, as far as I know, and specifically the, the leadership in Vespers, are models of what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. If I'm speaking to, to anyone, it is myself who during my single adult years, myself and many of my Christian friends during that time and other singles I have met over the years have wasted, as in my case, the first half of my single adultness, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm using it, violating many of the principles I'm going to be speaking on this morning. I will say more about this at the end of my message, but if you are a single adult here this morning and God speaks into your life, or if you need any help in these areas, please join us on Tuesday evening. You will be richly blessed if you do so. So let's prime the pump before we jump into our passages. 
being a single adult during a season of your life is a good place to be. Even if you don't like it or if it doesn't feel like a good thing at the moment. Please hear this now. As a single adult, you are not halfway there. You are not missing out anything, needing something to come in the mail for you to be complete. If you have the person of Jesus Christ living in you, then you are complete in Christ and you are empowered with a divine calling to live out your calling just like anyone else in this room. The state in which God has placed you as a single adult is a good place. So let's get into our passage starting in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 24 through 28. Brethren, let each man remain with God in the condition in which he was called. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that it, this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you should marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin should marry, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. Verse 24 is a, is a passage that applies for all of us. God relates our state, where you are in life, to a calling. And in fact, it's a divine calling. Let me repeat that. God relates our state, where you are at in life, such as being a single person, a married person, the state of the job that you are involved in, the neighbors that are on each side of you. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the list can go on and on. But this state that you are in, according to verse 24, according to Paul, this state that you are in is a divine calling. Now, what, what else does it say here in, in verse 24 that, that goes along with this calling that you need to be remain with? Who are we to, be, to, remain, be, who are we to remain with in verse 24? Don't leave me hanging here. It's a pretty simple question. Let each man remain with what? With God. You need to hook up with God and allow him to supernaturally in interject himself into these situations to, to help you live out your divine calling. Now, don't get me wrong. You have the freedom to change things if you can. If you don't like your calling, you can change most of them. So if you don't like your job, if you're complaining about your job, I would say, well, then change it. Well, you know, I don't think I could find another job or, you know, that job pays pretty good. I don't think I could match its salary. So I think I'll stay there. Well, if you make that decision to stay there, then that becomes your divine calling. Well, I don't like being single. Okay, well, then get married. Well, you know, I haven't found anyone that I want to be married to. Or I've never been asked to be married. Or, okay, then stay single. So once you make that decision to stay single for a period, that becomes your divine calling. Or, you know, I don't like being married. You know, this guy or this gal that I got, I mean, he, uh, he sold me a bill of goods. I don't like being married. Okay, well, then get divorced. Well, Tom, um, it's against biblical principles to get divorced. Well, you're 100% right. 
So your marriage, unless for some very specific reasons, that becomes your divine calling. And, and, if, and, and with this mindset, it will change all the things that you are involved in tremendously. You will go from becoming a victim of your circumstances to realizing no matter if it's good or bad, I am here because of God's divine calling on my life, and I need to hook up with who? I need to hook up with God, step out in faith, and allow for the supernatural to, to invade my situation. Now, for the single adult, this season of life you know, it, it, it is a divine calling. And our passage this morning will give us four principles that we will, that will make you a successful, fulfilled Christian single. Let's look at verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. The first principle of a successful, fulfilled Christian single is maintaining moral purity, and if you love the Lord, you are celibate. For, for the Christian single, God expects, he anticipates, and he demands celibacy, and the celibate lifestyle is one that, that God will, will bless and honor. You may say, man, do you know what's going on out there? We are constantly bombarded with temptation both for the single and the married person. Paul, do you know who Paul is writing to? If we were in a, the local church in Corinth in the day, it wouldn't be called church, it would be called the temple. And in these temples, they had temple prostitutes along the side. And for your worshiping pleasure, you could engage these various prostitutes to enhance the worship of whatever God that was being featured that week. So what Paul is well aware of what your situation is, because the situation for the people of Corinth was as bad or worse in, in regards to the morality of the day. But this is a difficult message for both singles and married in this day and age where we are bombarded with sexual infidelity because sex has become cheapened in our age, and whenever anything is cheapened, it's usually just given away. Only things that are, are valuable are kept, treasured, and prized by its owners. Our culture today looks at sex the same way we look at our food. If we get hungry, we go down to the local drive-thru and indulge our appetite. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them, yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a harlot is one body with her? For he says the two will become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body 
Christ is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For the Christian, sex is a spiritual act. It involves Jesus. This, this passage we just read clearly states that. When you are having illicit sex, Jesus is, is, is involved in that. You bring Jesus into that process. And when you're involved in that, you need to ask Jesus if he's having as much fun as you are. And per this passage, when, when you have sex, you are becoming one flesh with that person in a spiritual relationship. This girl got engaged. Like many young women, she thought, oh, this is going to last forever. So she got Bill's name tattooed on her shoulder. Well, I'm sure you can anticipate the story. The relationship didn't work out. And now she's married to Bob. And Bob's having some problems every time he sees Bill's name on his new wife. So how do you think he likes it? She has to go through a painful process to have Bill removed from her shoulder. When you are involved in an illicit sexual affair, single or married, you are not tattooing their names on your, on your shoulder. You are tattooing their names on your soul. And we wonder why with this type of activity rampant in our culture today, why so many marriages are in such peril. Verse 18 says to flee immorality. Ephesians 5.3 says, says not even to have a hint of sexual immorality. A lot of us think that, okay, here are the specific acts of immorality. As long as I come up close, I'm okay. But God's word clearly set, has a, a huge barrier around the whole set of activities and that we are not to go anywhere near it. In fact, it says to flee, run away, don't look back at it. Principle number two, to make you a successful, fulfilled Christian single, you have to have the right mindset to be successful. Verse 26, back in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 26, I think that, that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a, man, for a man to remain as he is. Verse 26 says it's good. In fact, Paul, who is single, is saying twice in this verse that singleness is good. Paul also wants to let us know that the married life that so many singles desire has its own set of problems. Turn down to verse 28. But if you should marry, you have not sinned. If a virgin should marry, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. It's okay to, to marry, yet such will have what? We will have troubles. Single adult, the, the married person sitting next to you are having troubles. You may want to lean over and remind them that they're having troubles. And if they are honest, they will tell you, they will tell you so. Many don't like each other. Many aren't talking to each other. And you know what? Many are having less sex than you are. And since you're supposed to be celibate, they're really having troubles. Single adults, marriage is not all it's cracked up to be. In fact, it's like flies on a screen. 
there are flies on the outside trying to get in, and there are flies on the inside trying to get out. There are married women here today that if they could biblically justify it, would love to trade positions with you. In fact, they would run home, pack up their bags, and drop them off at your doorstep. And there are married men here that would like to do the same thing, possibly. But from my experience, most married men have the better end of the deal. But um, single person, you are in a good place. Yes, you are free to marry, but expect trouble. Let me end on this, that marriage is a good thing if you follow God's guidelines for marriage. It is a good thing with plenty of benefits, but expect troubles. Verse 27, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. In other words, if you're married, stop trying to get out of it. But if you are released from a wife, i.e., you're single, stop trying to get into it. Do not seek a wife. Principle number three for a successful, fulfilled Christian, single adult, don't pursue a mate. Don't seek a wife. Don't seek a husband. First of all, there's nothing wrong with desiring a spouse. That is a normal desire for most of us. It's, it's part of the, of the creation for, for mankind that God instilled that desire in, in, in most of us. And it's the process through populating the earth, through the, through the institution of, of marriage. But what Paul is wanting for us is to stop man hunting, stop woman hunting, and all that is associated with that. Nothing, in ra- nothing wrong, in fact, encur- it, he encourages to have and seek out close personal friends from both sexes, but stop seeking a spouse. Leave that up to God, for he knows where you live. It's a faith move. Who knows better the time and the event surrounding you finding a spouse? Is it you or is it God? If you step out in faith and allow God to do this, he can supernaturally give you the desires of your heart. One of my favorite passages is Matthew 6, um, 631. Why don't you turn there, please? Matthew 631. Do not be anxious then, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink with what shall we clothe ourselves? Basically, the, the main necessities of life. Don't be anxious about these things. This is not an all-inclusive list. I think you could easily include companionship. That is one of the basic needs of mankind. Verse 32, for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus is basically you know, listing all the, the needs that mankind have here. And, and I, I feel very safe that companionship can be included in that. But then he goes on to say, after listing these, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So who do you think is going to do the best job for you, God or you? If it's you, then God, that's okay with God. He'll just step aside and watch, well, watch and see what kind of job you do then. 
So let's move on. Let's move on to the next set of verses, 32 through 35 in 1 Corinthians 7. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she, how she may please her husband. Principle number four, becoming a successful, fulfilled Christian single is learning to become free in living in your divine calling for the Lord. Verse 32, but I want you to be free from concern. One who's unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Paul wants singles to be free from, from concern about getting married and to be free about becoming the person that God wants you to become and not what you think you should be or what others think you should be. Free from concern about how much longer before I can get married. You know, all my friends are getting married. My biological clock is ticking. Paul wants you free from these concerns. If you are a Christian single and you are preoccupied with getting married, you are living outside of the will of God. Again, nothing wrong with the desire, asking God about it, but don't be consumed by it. He doesn't want you concerned about it, but what he does want you concerned about is what? What does verse 32 say that Paul wants us concerned about? About the Lord, being wholly devoted to the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Freedom is a great thing. So what's the opposite of freedom? Any answers? Bondage, free, slavery. Correct. If singles are to be free, who is in bondage? Go back to verse 27. You know, are you bound to a wife? Married folks are bound or in bondage. Every last one of us married folks are in bondage. We are stuck in the trap of marriage. Paul even goes on in verse 27, are you married to a wife? Do not seek to be released. It's like we're trying to break out of jail. I mean, he's stressing the importance of it. You know, start, stop trying to, you know, get out of jail card or early release. But now here's the flip side for our married folk regarding living in the will of God. If you are a Christian married person and living your life in freedom, doing your own thing like maybe a single adult person, rather than as being bound to your spouse, you are living outside of the will of God for your life. You are bound to your spouse, and in addition to serving the Lord, you are to be serving and devoted to your spouse. Paul goes on in 33 and 34, but one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. The Christian married person is, is like in a catch-22. They want to please the Lord, but they also have to, to please their spouse. 
and a constant tension is going on here. Paul is telling the single person to, to enjoy, to maximize their freedom as a single person because when you get married, you're, you're going into bondage and you can never do all the things that you need to do before you were married. Now, suppose I had a, a, a crystal ball that would tell you you're going to be single for the next 10 years. Does God want you worried about getting married, playing the dating game, and all the things associated with that? Or does he want you to trust in him, pursue the Lord free of concern, and live out that special calling he has for you as a single person? I believe he wants you doing just that, and he has a proven track record throughout Scripture in the, and in the lives of many folk right here in this room who would testify to the faithfulness of God as we choose to be faithful to him. And finally, in verse 33, uh, 35, and this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Paul is saying this for our benefit. He does not want to put a restraint on you or to spoil your fun in any way. But Paul wants you to look at singleness as an advantage and not as a disadvantage. If you would step out in faith in undistracted devotion to God to fulfill your divine calling, just watch out as God begins to supernaturally work in your life. Quite a calling for the single adult has been given here to live a celibate life, to stay focused on the good that can come into my life to be intentional on pursuing the Lord and not a mate, and finally to enjoy and realize all that I can accomplish for the Lord and the freedom from distraction that I have as a single person. This is a time in your life that you may only have for a season, and I encourage you not to squander it, but to embrace it and to receive from God all the blessings that you can as you do just that. As you can come up, but we are still social creatures in need for companionship, love, and support. The true fulfillment of that can only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as God usually does in most situations, he meets our needs through our relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Single person, do you have that in your life? Our single ministry is not complete. But right now, for the 20s, the 35ers, Vespers will do just that for you as you pursue God in your divine calling. Please don't settle for the cheapened imitations of such as through sexual flings, living together in the Internet. God has something very precious for you. Please, please don't settle for far less. Let me pray for us. Father God, I can attest that, um, you know, my uh, years as a single adult were years that, um, as I said earlier, I squandered and that for which I regret. But there were also a number of years where I grew greatly in my relationship to you. And I attribute a lot to who and what I am today to what occurred in those few years of, of in my life as a single adult. I pray for a special blessing on the single adults 
in this room this morning. I pray that they will pursue their calling. They will look at the state that they are in as a time, as a season for them to commit all that they are to serving you and reaping both rewards for the kingdom and rewards for themselves. In Christ's name I pray, amen.